Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Hi, I'm Faith McQuinn. Everyone in the Boom family knows that this show exists because of listeners like you. And I, along with the cast and crew, want to make sure to give you the best quality show possible. Becoming a member of Patreon will help ensure that. As a patron, you'll get all kinds of goodies, including exclusive episodes, discounts at our Teespring shop, plus an invitation to a quarterly chat with me and other cast and crew members. And it all starts at $2 a month. Just $2. So please visit boom.observerpictures.com and click on Become a Member to join today. This episode contains intense moments. Listener discretion is advised. Observer Pictures presents Boom, a serial drama podcast. Written and directed by Faith McQuinn. This is episode 29, Coping Mechanism. Are you tired of cleaning room after room every day in your house? Are spills and dirt and dust overwhelming you? At the end of a long day, you shouldn't be faced with hours of house cleaning. So stop. You need Rovi, the automatic home cleaning assistant. I'm not going far. I'll be right back. Right back. Right back. I'm scared. Do you want me to stay? Please. Okay. I'll stay. It's going to be fine. I'll stay. Hey. Shit. I'm still dreaming. Yep. Get out of my head. Wishing you'd stayed, I see. Of course. Maybe you wouldn't have killed her if I'd stayed. Killed me, you mean? No. No, not you. You're not Jen. Please, just be someone else. I can't. Look at me. No. You're not her. You're not her. You're not her. Look at me. Thank you. Can't we just talk? No! We used to always talk. We never talked. I just want to wake up. Maybe you shouldn't wake up at all. Stop. 
Do you wish you died that day? I don't. He wishes you had. Then why didn't he just kill me? Maybe he realized he couldn't. Why? Because he loves me or something? He loved you. He loves you more than me. He loves you more than anyone. And he needs you. I don't believe that. But you do. You have to. Remember. I'm not her. You're his best friend, Porter. I'm not. Not anymore. Are you sure? Porter is 20 minutes into his second session with Dr. Bentham. The nightmare from the morning has him rattled, and he's spent the majority of the time brooding and trying not to speak. And you still haven't seen your parents? No. You've spoken to them on the phone? Yes. How often? Nearly every day. It's pretty one-sided. Oh, well, we're making progress. You said more than one word at a time, and it only took 20 minutes. Dr. Bentham, are you being sarcastic? Of course not, Porter. (laughs) Do you plan on letting your parents see you? No. So just Dax, then? Yes. Why him? I thought he wouldn't bug me about stuff. He was just gonna come over and keep me company. Oh, by the way, I can't fucking play a video game anymore because of you, so thanks for that. Why do you feel you can't play anymore? You just... You got all in my head about it being an escape, and... Maybe you're ready to stop escaping. I just want to not... I just want to be able to clear my mind. I just need a little peace. Is that why you won't see your parents? Sure. I recognize that you have a lot going on right now, and you're not able to live the way you want. But you've got to adapt to your new situation. I don't want to. Okay, but this isn't about wanting. This is a necessity. If you keep resisting, you're not going to get better. You can't close your eyes and wish it all away. You want peace? It starts with you. Let me ask you a favor. Tell me one thing that's keeping you from clearing your mind. Okay. I'll play. You said Dr. Abbott talked about my nightmares. What did she say? When you first started seeing her, they were severe. You were barely sleeping. Yep. Are you having those nightmares again? Yep. The same as before? Not exactly. Would you like to talk about what they are now? Well... Not to you, but I have to adapt, don't I? They're, uh, they're a little different, but they're all about Jen. Well, it's not really her, but she looks like her. Genevieve, you were a friend who died? (laughs) Yes. 
my friend who died. Look, no need to deflect, Porter. If you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to. I'll talk about it. Just... Sorry. Okay. You said it's not Jen in these dreams. <laughs> right after she died, Genevieve, right after Genevieve died, Dr. Abbott told me to always use her name. I don't know why, but... Anyway, right after Genevieve died, I saw her everywhere. I mean everywhere. She was walking down the street, she was sitting in a coffee shop, and she was riding her bike. And at night, I would dream about her. She'd just be there, covered in... covered in blood, and screaming at me that I let her die. I woke up sweaty and crying nearly every night. I got to the point that I didn't want to sleep. I was scared to leave the house because I knew she'd be there. There was this song. This fucking... This fucking jingle for Rovi. Fuck Rovi. Fuck Rovi. I still can't... I mean, just sitting here, I... Anyway, when I finally gave in and went to Dr. Abbott, the nightmares changed. They weren't good, but they were less aggressive, less scary, and then eventually they turned into dreams, something I looked forward to. And then all of a sudden, I didn't have them anymore. But they've returned, the nightmares. Oh, yeah. When did they start again? A couple months ago. Did something significant happen a couple of months ago? My engagement party. I'm sure this is in Dr. Abbott's notes. It is. But you want me to talk about it. I do. What if I don't want to talk about it? Then we'll discuss something else. <laughs> You're not like Dr. Abbott. Different therapists have different techniques. She wasn't always patient with me. Sometimes a firmer hand is necessary. But not for me. Not yet, at least. <laughs> is this what you want to talk about, my therapy techniques? No, it's, it's just something I noticed. I'd like you to talk about your engagement party. Myra has a big family, and I was nervous. But it turned out they're all great. The night was fine, and then my friend... Luke gave a toast. He, he fucked things up, and I made him go home. I got drunk. I saw Jen. It started out fine, like the dreams I used to have, and then it wasn't. Do you think the nightmare started because of the pressure of the engagement party or from what Luke said in his toast? Do you know what Luke said in his toast? Dr. Abbott's notes aren't extremely specific, but it was about Genevieve? Yes. What kind of relationship do you and Luke have? We don't. What kind Look, of... Look, I'm not talking about him right now. We agreed on the nightmares, and that's what we're doing today. Okay. Okay. So back to the nightmares... The one you had that night after the party, is it the same ones you were having before? Not really. 
Has it changed since then? Are they more intense? No, well... Sort of. Let's try this. Explain to me how they are the same, and then we'll discuss how they are different. After the, uh... After the explosion, she was... Okay, um... She was... I don't know how to put it into words. When I woke up from those first nightmares, I was scared. Dr. Abbott made me tell myself that I'd done everything I could, and I had to repeat it. You have survivor's guilt. Yes. And the one I had that night, engagement party night, it felt like those. She was, I think the first time it was pity. These new ones though, Jen, no. No, I don't want to call her that. This woman who looks like Jen is more angry, though. Our dreams are representations of our subconsciousness. After the accident... It wasn't an accident. <laughs> okay. What are you writing down? Porter, this isn't the first time I've written something. I need to take notes. After Genevieve died, you were full of guilt for not saving her for not dying as well. You talked about strategy at our first session, and I assume you had one for that day? Yes. We were going to breakfast. Okay. And things changed. <laughs> yeah, a little. And you created a new plan, a new strategy. And it didn't work. Your subconscious mind told you that you were weak and not good enough, so Dream Genevieve came across as pitying. Do you remember what she said to you? You, you said, said you loved, you loved me. me. You, you walked, walked away. away. You, you let, let him hurt me. me. Him? Dr. Abbott has that in her notes. Your fixation on the person who hurt her. Okay, I thought I could do this, but I can't. Not right now. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about Myra. Okay, let's talk about Myra. Was she the first woman you dated after Genevieve's death? Yes. No other relationships of any sort? No. No one-night stands or... Nothing. How was your love life before Genevieve? Um, I dated a few people. A couple were serious. So you were never one for casual sexual encounters? No. Not really. Do you love Myra? Of course. Do you feel guilty for loving her? What the fuck kind of question is that? Please, calm down. I'm merely suggesting your relationship with Myra is... What, a rebound? No, I'm... I'm just... Maybe I wouldn't have blown up a building if I just fucked a few more people before settling down? That is absolutely not what I'm trying to say to you. Please sit down. I want to go. You can't. You have 15 minutes left in this session. We can just stare at each other or you can use the time constructively. So please, sit down... Have a drink of water, calm yourself, and we'll try again. I'm sorry. It's 
perfectly all right, Porter. Jen was the person I talked to about everything. It took me a long time to get used to talking to anyone else. It doesn't mean I'm going to start opening up to you anytime soon, but I shouldn't have... I shouldn't have... Look, I'm sorry. Don't apologize for your emotions. Luke used to do that. God, for as long as I can remember, he did it. He'd be a real ass, like, like colossal. But then he'd always come back and apologize. And it wouldn't be fake. He'd mean it. He'd be really sorry. And I'd forgive him. We all would forgive him. Every time. Did he apologize for the engagement party? No. Wait. He did. Just not to me. Do you want him to apologize to you? It doesn't matter now. It wouldn't. It wouldn't make a difference. Would you have forgiven him if he had? No. Do you want to talk about that? No. How long were you and Genevieve friends? About 15 years. Did you always talk to her about everything? Yeah. No, I wasn't always good with new people when I was younger. It took me a little bit to, I guess, warm up to her. So, before Jen, you didn't talk to anyone about life? Well, yeah, I, I talked to... I talked to Luke. Who do you talk to now? No one. Not even Myra? Well, I, I talk to her about a lot of things. The way you talk to Jen? Look, I love Myra just as much, if not more, than I loved Jen. That's good. But do you talk to Myra the way you talk to Jen? Not exactly. Why is that? I don't want to make the same mistake twice. What was that? I didn't protect Jen from... I didn't protect Jen, and I can't let anything happen to Myra. I can't make the same mistake again. Protect her from who? From you? Yeah. For me, yeah. Porter. <clears throat> I feel you need to be a bit more trusting. Not just of Myra, but of yourself. I've already said this, but it bears repeating. If you keep resisting, you're not going to get better. Stop resisting your family. Let them see you. Stop resisting yourself. It's all right. All of your emotions are valid. Don't keep them bottled up. That's not how you find peace. Join us again in two weeks for another episode of Boom.
This episode featured the voices of Garrett Delosier as Porter, Brad Oxnam as Dr. Bentham, and me, Michael R., as the narrator. Season 3 was recorded at New Mind Studios in Nashville, Tennessee, and Pod Studio 1 in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Production sound, Matthew L. Hankins. Producer, Amanda Lorraine. Sound design and mixing, Joshua Sui. Original music, Brian Irwin. Assistant director, Delilah Ferrer. Production assistant, Van Donnell. Social media guru, Ryan Allen. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and consider giving us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, where to find us on social media, and ways to donate to the show, please visit boom.observerpictures.com. Thank you for listening, and please share this podcast with a friend. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.